Good evening. Welcome to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauber. I'm an employment law and business law attorney, and I host this live weekly talk radio show and this live weekly video broadcast every Tuesday night from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on Talk Radio NYC, where I have guests who discuss some of the most novel, complex, and timely topics that business owners and employers are facing today. And in that spirit, I'd like to welcome uh, tonight a very special guest, very uh, talented Renaissance man, uh, Mr. Andy Bot. Uh, Andy Botwin. Andy is the founder of Strategy People Culture. Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here, Eric. Great. Happy to have you. I'm sure we'll have an extra, interesting, uh, great dynamic conversation for our, our guest uh, audience tonight. And I, I hope I just... can. I hope I can live up to being a true Renaissance man, though. I'm not sure how I qualify, right? but we'll figure that out. We'll we'll figure that out as we go along, and I, I have no doubt you'll um like uh live up to that to that name, that description. I don't use it lightly. So, <laughs> well, in that sense, why don't I just tell our guests and rather audience what our topic is this evening, and then I'll read your your uh, bio and I'll let the guests decide that Renaissance man uh, issue. So our, our topic tonight uh, is executive leadership, workplace culture, and countering the great resigna resignation. And, you know, basically, Andy and I will talk about the fact that too often the conversation around mass resignations and employee burnout focuses solely on the employee, on uncovering the root of their dissatisfaction and seeking to boost their morale. And while this is a valuable and necessary point of focus, we're saying that there's another key component to countering the great resignation and to reducing employee turnover. And that's improving the leadership style and the management methods of executives and high level supervisors. And this evening, you'll join me and my guest, Andrew Botwin, Esquire, SPHR, SHRM, SCP, PCC and MBA, founder of Strategy People Culture LLC. And we'll discuss the connection between building strong executive leaders within a company and listening to responding to employee issues regarding workplace burnout, implicit bias, and the challenges that are feeding the great resignation. Um, and Andy, before I get to any questions, I want to just read a bit of a uh, an introduction, a bio about you, if I may, to sort of tell our guests uh, more about you and, and why you're here this evening. Um, and let me just do that right now. I'll just mention, as I uh, said, our guest tonight, Andy Botwin, founder of Strategy People Culture, which is a firm dedicated to helping businesses to understand and then develop int intentional workplace cultures, development of executive leaders, and conducting independent workplace investigations on employment matters. Andy has over 25 years of experience working with individuals and teams, <clears throat> including owners, CEOs, directors, managers, and high potential employees. He is a retired attorney, has advanced degrees excuse me, advanced education in human resources and holds several commensurate licenses and certifications. Andy Botwin has extensive experience in public accounting, both as an auditor and chief human resources officer. He brings his unique blend of services, including executive coaching, workplace culture consulting, training, and independent workplace investigations and EEO matters together in his practice. Andy has successfully worked with many levels of leaders from small entrepreneurial businesses to Fortune 100 companies. And as part of his practice, Andy conducts training on anti-harassment and anti-discrimination with sensitivity to compliance standards in all 50 US states. In addition to trainings around bias and general workplace behaviors. And further, Andy delivers high-end customized leadership training programs and organizational culture reviews to meet client-specific needs. He has spoken around the nation in various capacities including as an investigations expert and trainer of anti-racism policies, bias, and diversity and inclusion issues in the workplace. Andy is a certificate holder from the stringent testing standards of the Association of Workplace Investigators, and he is a philanthropic board member and trustee for a nonprofit organization helping disabled adults develop and work towards independent living. So in short, a renaissance man, I rest my case. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes, fair enough, indeed. So, all right, Andy. Well, again, really glad to have you on this, you know, 
topic the great resignations <clears throat> really gotten a lot of uh, a lot of uh, media attention and it's in people on people's minds and their hearts but let me ask you a, a sort of starting question I, I i told our audience a lot about you but you can tell us a little bit more about yourself in terms of like your history like mainly like what how did your career initially start out and what prompted you what inspired you to found your firm strategy people culture um sure so uh I guess to give you an idea of how my career started, and, and it's a good way to lead into what ultimately got me to the point to, to start my own company. Um, I was an auditor out of college for a very, you know, one of the very large firms, Arthur Anderson, um, at the time. Uh, you know, some of the younger listeners may not even know who they are, um, as, as uh, some, some history um, has uh, not voted well for them. Uh, but they were a highly respected uh, public accounting firm. And I really didn't like my experience. Uh, it was, I spent about two years there. There were some great things about the organization, but I don't know if uh, from a maturity standpoint, I was really ready um, for that kind of work and environment. So um, I had a, a strong relationship with somebody who ran a very large and, and large and successful uh, recruiting company, essentially staffing and payrolling company uh, with offices all over the country. And um, he said, why don't you come work for me? Uh, everybody, you know, I knew my friends, uh, people would always say, oh, you, you, you love talking to people, you love being around people, you should be in human resources. Um, not exactly understanding what human resources really meant, but, but it seemed to fit, it seemed to make sense. And I spent uh, a little under five years there doing a variety of things from recruiting, uh, temporary recruiting to national recruiting to um, getting involved operationally with areas around risk management, insurances, um, that was in the 90s when PEOs were starting to really take a, a new form and explode. And I got involved in developing um, some of those as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, truthfully, at, at a certain point, I started getting bored. Um, it was time uh, for me to leave. I was still fairly young. And, you know, when I was looking at the clock every day and the days were going along and you could stay till six o'clock and just be a superstar for staying late. Um, you know, I realized that wasn't what I wanted for the rest of my life. And I wound up back in public accounting, except as the human resources manager for a regional firm in the Northeast, but was that a firm that was really growing very fast. They had some niche services um, and had really carved out a pretty good name for themselves. And as they were growing and, um, and, and really exploding, I mean, picture an organization that whose revenue was organically growing, you know, 40 to 50% a year. Um, their employee headcount was, was also growing, um, you know, it, to keep pace with that. But the turnover was also in the 40% range. So, um, you know, we became kind of a ramshod recruiting practice, trying to build inf in, uh, an infrastructure around proper human resource management. Mm -hmm. And um, 12 years later, as I was getting ready to leave to start, my company strategy people culture it's actually the first of two companies that i own um we were being named to fortune, fortune magazine's 100 best places to work and it was through those years of challenge um trying to get an organization to move listen um you know a, a large partnership with a lot of people that were were partners certainly not all partners created equal in terms of say um, but essentially they were making more money every year and so, you know, I had to overcome the, the concept of, you know, we're doing great. Why do we need to change what we're doing? Um, and 40% turnover is just, un, you know, not sustainable. It's very costly. It affects the bottom line of a business. Um, and so I really became inspired and I decided to step out and create this entity with that funny name called Strategy People Culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like, you know, you certainly have a very kind of widely diverse background between the accounting and the top level uh, Fortune 100 firms, Arthur Anderson. I remember that name uh, quite well from the 90s and also remember hearing some not so great things about their future fate. So I, I know, again, younger listeners might want to Google that. But um, interesting that, like, you know, I guess hearing that last thing you said, Andy, about how this place was saying to you, we're doing great. Maybe just like looking perhaps at their own their own bottom line, but yet the turnover was not great. And maybe they, I guess that disconnect sounds like didn't sit well with you from a perspective of, of you know, strategy people and culture, right? Employee relations and HR. 
Yeah, you know, it, it really gets to the heart of it. And I don't want to move forward towards leadership development, but but your question, mm-hmm. you know, to me touches on some of that. Yeah. You know, from a leadership standpoint, how do you, you know, how do you know your business is that has reached its ceiling? How do you know you've reached your ceiling? And no one really knows. But what you do know is if you have a vision for your organization and um, you're growing, your success, and, and certainly um, a reasonable, one of the reasonable ways to measure success is how are we doing financially? Mm-hmm. Um, and if demand for services was growing, income related to, 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 to the work that you were doing was growing. And as a business grows, and if you're in a leadership role, your responsibilities tend to also grow with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's easy to sometimes see that and say, we are successful. And they were successful. Um, and we were successful. However, we could have been more successful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a real cost of turnover. There's, you know, many different ways to look at that and metrics to calculate, you know, across a... Um, you know, a wide scale, but there's still a cost of turnover. And, you know, if we could lower our turnover, keep people longer, we didn't have such a brain drain. We got continuity on clients, which improved client service that improved our reputation um, and helped foster greater careers. Even for when people ultimately left, they felt better about the organization and became alumnus of the organization and referred business and became clients. That's an important piece, right? The employee retention is not just about getting the most out of your employees when they're there, but if they do end up leaving on a good note, they can refer uh, potential talent back to you and and, and refer potential, like you mentioned, a good point, clients back to you, not just um, sort of leave and be done with, be done with your organization. Um, I think it's like an interesting point too, Andy, you know, you bring up about just this, like this word success and how it's defined and what it means, you know, is it just the numbers on a spreadsheet, just the bottom line. Like if you ask different people, you know, from a perspective of say of a CFO or an accountant, but from a diversity and inclusion standpoint, or from an HR or even employment law attorney like myself, like perspective, um, I dare say that the answer to that question of success or definition of success also has to do with, as you mentioned, turnover and employee satisfaction um, amongst you know other points. So it's, it's interesting to have, hear you talk about that. And then to sort of touch on leadership, which we'll definitely get to as well. You know. Yeah. Sorry if I jumped ahead, but but you put it out there. It just made sense. No, totally. It's like we're in a we're a very organic type of show. We know we just like sort of flow with a general outline of questions, but we're we're pretty organic. In fact, I will, in the spirit of being organic, I will take we have our commercial break coming up in a minute, but I think best to take it now than to pose a question and then take it before you can answer. Um, so I'll just note that um, uh, we're on our first commercial break, folks. Uh, you're listening to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauver. My guest tonight, Andy Botwin, founder of Strategy People Culture. Stay tuned for more. We'll talk about some of the record high uh, employee dissatisfaction with the great resignation. And we'll talk about some of the ways to counter that. Uh, talk with you on my We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you 
Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back to Employment Law Today. Once again, I'm your host, Eric Sauber. I'm an employment law business law attorney. And we're still welcome back to Employment Law Today. I think I jumped the gun on my cue there. Um, I'm your host, Eric Sauvert, Employment Law Business Law Attorney. Um, I make my guest tonight, Andy Botwin, founder of Strategy People and Culture. And a quick shout out to uh, Dr. Lance Nob, watching out there and reposting in the uh, 4% Breakthrough group on Facebook. Lance, pleasure to see you watching the audience tonight. Um, we're, we're talking about some ways to counter the great resignation uh, through a, a two-pronged approach, right? Focusing on the employee experience and the employee's morale and, and eradicating implicit bias and other workplace issues. But we're also focusing, at least from Andy's perspective, on uh, leadership development and, and turning around poor leadership and having executive coaching in that regard. So I guess my first question to Andy to lay the foundation here is, what do you believe are some root causes of this record high employed dissatisfaction, AKA the great resignation. Yeah, I, I think like many issues, there's lots of facets and, you know, there, there are some of the, the sort of more common ones. What, what I hear most people talk about is COVID, the return to COVID if, or from COVID, if, if that's what we're in um, and the demand for, of the workforce to be able to work more fluidly, more remotely, um, and you know, so so I hear that as a common issue, and some employers are um, being more insistent on their people coming to work, which is is cer- certainly creating some of that dynamic. But I think there's a lot of issues and reasons that I don't hear a lot in everyday sort of chatter and conversation that you know bear merit. Um, for starters, you know, generationally, baby boomers. Um, I, I think that's a, a group of people that. Um, Coming out of COVID, a lot of them have decided to, to stay retired, um, probably at a disproportionate rate from what we would have expected under sort of a normal attrition factor. Um, you know, so that's one component, and that's a lot of experience, a tremendous brain drain, um, you know, leaving the working place. There's other issues like inflation, which, you know, I'm not an economist and, you know, I, I understand very basic micro and macroeconomics, um, but, you know, we might see inflationary numbers that the government produces. I don't know that that always jives with what people are feeling, though. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so think about it, a car, uh, you know, used cars cost way more than they did two years ago. <clears throat> In fact, a used car that I bought two years ago, perhaps I can sell it more, for more than I paid for it two years ago, which is very untraditional. And, and new cars, certainly um, supply and demand is a major issue. So I think what people are feeling is, is a higher level of inflation than at least what the statistics tend to say. And with that, then people are making different decisions about um, their work, where they're working, how they're working. Um, And I also think that there's um, somewhat I might think about as one-sided thinking on the business side. Mm -hmm. Um, There's confusion around business commitments Mm -hmm. with real estate. You know, I have a office that I pay X dollars in rent for, and there's a lack of connecting that and business decisions are sometimes being made without thinking about you know, finding a middle ground between that commitment that's already in some ways a sunk commitment because it may not be as easy to get sublease type of arrangements today um, with the needs of employees. And usually there's a middle ground in that question. I don't know if it's asked, um, you know, 
well enough. I also think that there's um, you know some real and perceived problems uh, that are out there um, that that make it difficult for employers. For example, uh, you know as successful as many companies have been, some have certainly struggled through the pandemic, but some companies have had record profits. You know by having people work remotely when in the past they couldn't have. You know, an industry like professional services, where I have a lot of direct experience in, that had been a struggle for many years. Yet, mm-hmm. I know many um, firms, accounting firms, law firms alike, that have had their better, best years ever um, in terms of efficiency. Mm-hmm. Yet, on the flip end, there's inefficiency with conversations, the ability to walk down the hall and, you know, ask somebody a quick question for two minutes. That's sometimes lost and people can't get a hold of somebody because their calendars are full and they don't answer the phone, even with the different um, forms of technology and medium with instant messaging, Slack channels. Um, some people pay more attention to that, that than others, and those can become distracting. And then emails get lost. And so I think there's lost communication that happens, um, you know, along with many other factors. Hmm. Interesting there, you know, I've asked this question like to several guests, you know, from different backgrounds, different fields over the last, I guess, uh, maybe 10 months or nine, eight months or so. Um, so it's great to hear your perspective there, Andy. I hear some sort of external factors, meaning maybe outside the actual specific workplace, like that's good to note also, for example, the um, generational aspect of baby boomers who might be retiring at increased rates, um, for example, or inflation, right? It's an external economic uh, condition factor that certainly does impact, I think, people's you know choices to stay in a job, but to maybe do try their own hand at their own company or firm or leave for more money. Uh, and the commercial real estate issue as well. Um, that isolation, that last piece, like, I think it's interesting too, because I think a lot of like, companies on one hand, you hear a lot of employers say, well, we're going to attract talent and retain them by offering this like, we work, complete remote workforce, 100%, you know, work from home. You can log in in your pajamas in your living room and uh, no traffic, no commutes, no subway, no train, no all that stuff. But with that remote work, what I'm hearing you say, I think, if I'm hearing correctly, there's a sense of isolation when you can't like, collaborate or ask a question down the hall. And so maybe that can perhaps ironically improve some, or rather uh, increase some of the employee burnout, increase some of the, you know, like the sort of dissatisfaction. Ironically, it might have been originally aimed to promote that, like, hey, this is a great benefit, but yet it can have a, a delirious effect. So interesting. Yeah, well, I, I think that's what, what makes it so complex because we tend to look for an answer. Right. And explanation. And there isn't one, you know, we're not a one size fits all, right? We all have different personalities, different likes. Mm-hmm. Some people like the ability to work from home in pajamas. Other people want to be in the office. Mm-hmm. You know, the problem is how do you figure out a way to make the masses, um, you know, I, you know, I'll use the word happy sort of in quotes, mm-hmm. but, you know, a, a, appeal to what is going to be best for them in a way that they can give you their best because that's the reality you're hiring people to give for them to give you their best Mm -hmm. to help your organization be better and um yeah i mean i you know who really likes a commute you know very Mm -hmm. few people i you know some people might say you know i like the the drive time because it's a time for me to you know, defrag my brain a little bit, you know, grab a cup of coffee on the way and listen to the radio. And some of those might be nice, but most people would like to have limited commutes when they can. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's just a very, very complex issue that Mm -hmm. I think leaders, sometimes people in leadership positions, maybe is the better way to say it, Mm -hmm. managers that have to make decisions, sometimes make a decision that's overly influenced by their pure opinion and thinking that they need to have a direct answer instead of just better communication. Yeah, right. It's like, if you're looking just for one answer, one solution to one, uh, one explanation to this, you know, great resignation to employee dissatisfaction, employee turnover, you're not going to find it because there are many, uh, many aspects of this, right? Many, I guess, factors that play into this, many issues. Um, I'm wondering if you see, issues such as like say lack of you know sufficient diversity at a company or implicit bias like is that 
Another factor that you might have noticed in terms of the uh, contributing factor, I should ask, I should say, for the great resignation? Um, yeah, I, I, I certainly. I mean, implicit bias, I actually teach a, a course on that in, in my business, um, okay. more around awareness of, of, of what unconscious bias really is. Um, I kind of stop there. I don't get too heavily involved in, in, in pure DEI work. Um, yeah. as I focus more on the, the sexual harassment and discrimination space. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, when we think about diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, right. the last few years, while well, that has been an issue for a long, long time, um, the last couple of years, it seems like it's become a little bit of the spree decor. And, you know, mm -hmm. if we talk about this almost straight line thinking uh, that, that we started to touch on a little bit before, Right. I think it's the same um, kind of concept there. You know, a lot of companies uh, that are trying to do something about it, um, they're, they're really trying to go deep and do something material with it. Mm -hmm. On the flip end, there's a lot of companies that are trying to do something to say that they're doing something. Right. And they're throwing sort of uh, a marginal or not sufficient enough effort to really make a meaningful debt. And, um, you know, I kind of, as I'm saying that, I'm, I'm having this visual of an old movie. I can't even remember the name. Um, uh, Asteroid was coming to Earth. Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck. Um, if, if, if you know the movie, if not, you can leave me hanging. Um, but, but there was a visual that they were talking about how to blow up this asteroid that was going to destroy Earth. And, you know, do we throw a bunch of nukes at it? And um, the physicist, the engineer kind of described it and saying, if you throw a bunch of nuclear bombs at this, you know, you know, it's kind of like if you put a firecracker on your hand and it, and it goes off, it's just going to burn your hand. But if you close your hand and, um, you know, put that firecracker in, you know, by by hand, and that was sort of the same premise that they were drilling and putting a nuke inside this moving asteroid. And so I kind of think about the, the DEI efforts that so many, um, companies are doing and it's kind of like just putting that firecracker on an open hand instead of trying to really address it i hope that analogy didn't go too far astray and make sense no i, I get it i hear you saying i wish i could but i wish i could give you the name of that movie title like and now i'm kind of curious i have to google it maybe on the commercial break but um i'm, I'm gonna do the same yeah right there we go we'll get that when we come back but yeah. um but i think it's like you know like, like this idea that uh the sort of the substantive really addressing an issue versus sort of doing it, you know, to be able to kind of say we did it almost like in name and not really in, you know, in, in, uh, in, in substance or, you know, form over substance instead of substance over form. Um, I think definitely an issue there. And, um, and it, it kind of like, to me, it's a nice, you know, sort of segue into this question of, you know, what you do a lot, right? We talk about like how many professionals, you know, in the HR and the employee culture realm um, will focus efforts on improving uh, their individual's employment conditions, right? You know, helping them to feel better about their work role. Um, but I'm wondering if you think a more comprehensive approach is necessary to improve employee satisfaction and retention. Um, and then I'll ask you to hold that though, think about it for the commercial break and come back. So when we come back from the commercial break uh, with Andy Botwin and with myself, Eric Sauber, we're going to talk about like, what is some more, what's another comprehensive approach to employee satisfaction and retention? Hint, and that may have to do with executive coaching. And we'll also get the name of that movie. So don't go anywhere. Just stay tuned to Talk Radio NYC, Employment Law Today, and you'll, we'll be right back. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. 
Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauver, Employment Law and Business Law Attorney for Business Owners, Companies, uh, Industry Agnostic. My guest tonight, Andy Botwin, a retired attorney, um, really just top-notch in HR and um, in all things strategy. He is actually the founder of Strategy People and Culture. And um, Andy, it's great to have you on the show this evening. Really great to have you on with us today. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me back. And I did get a chance during the break to Google the, the movie that I couldn't remember. And um, for any of you that are going to beat me up on it, it is a, over 20 years old. So I, I <laughs> guess I should get a little pass. I'm not remembering the title. It was called Armageddon. So and it was a pretty good movie. So uh, if anybody's looking for um, something to watch because they're out of things, uh, maybe that's mm-hmm. one that you can watch. Excellent. Steve, the show resides providing top-notch analysis and review of cutting-edge employment issues. I think we also can provide some great movies to watch, especially if you're one of those folks that maybe were downsized or you quit your job in the great resignation. You can watch the show. You can watch the movie. So excellent, excellent uh, evening so far. Uh, so I think we left off with a cliffhanger. Um, I had asked you, Andy, about a lot of, you know, a lot of your colleagues, a lot of, we you know, a lot of folks in the professional HR employee culture realm, and they focus their efforts on improving basically the employee's conditions, helping them feel better about their work role. But I, I think you take a more comprehensive approach to improving employee satisfaction. And I'm wondering if so, what that approach is. You can share it with us tonight. Yeah, well, to be clear, I, you know, I think there's merit on, on focusing on um, sort of the employee's in, environment and their oh. experience. Um, so, you know, anything I, I might say here, I don't want to discount that because because there is value in that. Um, mm-hmm. However, you know, I, again, you know, I, I, how we came up with it, but that sort of one directional thinking um, that we referenced a little earlier, I, I think comes into play here because it's, you know, we're going to find a solution. You know, if we have pizza on Fridays, that's going to make people happy. And of course, you know, as long as you like pizza, most people like free pizza. You know, what's not to like? It's lunch, it's free, it's provided in pizza, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, those things are great. However, um, you know, those aren't the deep, meaningful things. They mean something to people. <laughs> but, you know, if you just do them in, in a vacuum without creating human connection, then, you know, you're not creating something sustainable. You know, you use the, the, the reference, you know, substance over form or form over substance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how substantive in terms of is somebody going to be happy with their work environment is giving them pizza. Mm-hmm. It'll be nice, um, but it, that alone won't, won't do the trick. And so I think, um, you know, I don't know that there's a perfect job. I don't know that there's a, a, you know, for employees. I don't know that there's a manager that's a perfect leader. And I don't know if there's decisions that are perfect for any organization. Uh, But what I do know is that, you know, leaders by definition get people to follow them. And I don't know that enough people focus on their effectiveness of people following them. You know, I'm a manager, I'm in charge, so people should follow me. And yeah, that, that, that's actually true. You're, you're given some level of authority that people are hired into to, to listen to. But to get them to really follow and want to follow, that's a different story. Right. That, right, right. Very true point, Andy. True. I mean, like to have someone follow you, say sort of follow your lead, your direction, you know, your, you know, follow um, 
what you ask them to do because they have to have a fear of being fired or, or reprimanded versus like, say follow them with maybe a bit more enthusiasm sort of like, from the heart we're wanting to follow um i think comes back to how well a leader is trained to be a leader to recognize their role to inspire workers inspire employees so i mean and i agree with you too that something you said i want to just point out that i agree um not we're not discounting the importance of looking at the employee experience i defend a lot of companies in court as an employment law attorney litigation where either they missed the boat on implicit bias or they didn't focus enough on disgruntled employees experiences and didn't maybe fail to see certain discrimination discriminatory patterns and they found themselves you know in a lawsuit or a mediation that i'm representing them in so i definitely I definitely hear you on that um and yeah there's no perfect answers i all that i think is very interesting yeah you know and, and as you're describing you know some of the situations that, that you've had to defend companies on um you know it, it's sort of the perfect explanation behind the concept of the different service lines that i do uh, you know a lot of people when they hear discrimination sexual harassment training and investigations and then executive coaching they're kind of like what you know where's the connection and in some ways they truly are you know not connected um you know but when i talk to people about sexual harassment issues discrimination issues um you know my view is there are definitely situations where there are bad actors you know bad employers that do bad things mm -hmm. that truly are you know in a you know in a pure sense discrimination sexual harassment and there are employees that um misinterpret a lot of situations and you know may even be predatory you know but if and i don't know what percentage both of those are but i do know that there's a really big middle where um people say and do things that they certainly don't intend to be um offensive um mm -hmm. but they are and you know if you heard them that off-color joke that most people have been around socially at work etc mm -hmm. um and that you know could be discriminatory mm -hmm. it could be um you know some form of microaggression you mm -hmm. know when we talk about the world of dei and yeah. unconscious bias particularly mm -hmm. uh, but it could be other things and what i found is there's a lot of situations that if the person was a more effective leader mm -hmm. and in part it doesn't necessarily mean that they were just liked but they were respected for the way that they went about their business, what they did, how they tried to lead their people in a function. Mm -hmm. Those little off-color and off-putting comments or actions, people might have just shrugged, shrugged their shoulders and looked the other way and said, you know what, I didn't like that, but I really believe in error. He's a great leader and he pro I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He probably didn't mean what I heard. Right. Whereas if it's a leader that they don't like, that they don't respect, mm -hmm. they're more likely to in, interpret it the other way and say, I'm not giving this person the benefit of the doubt at all. Mm -hmm. That person's a jerk and they meant to be insulting and offensive. Mm -hmm. And so yes. then that could be the that could be the simple balance between a claim and an action. And yeah. you know, where a company's hiring you to defend, that mm -hmm. costs money. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and you've got a disgruntled employee and you know, maybe people that they're connected with and it could lead to turnover and and all of those kinds of things and it's it's just a losing proposition yeah andy 100 on that it's like that whole kind of big middle you know i think um people tend to look at a situation and look at like the outlier or the extremes and of course we've got the extreme like the covert you know rather than sorry the overt obvious like, like very you know um overbearing extreme examples of uh sexual harassment and discrimination um, that people shudder to, you know, to see or think about to make the headlines. And we also have, of course, situations otherwise like where somebody might be a, maybe an employee who misinterprets, misconstrues something or is disgruntled and perhaps fabricates a claim. And um, but there's a wide middle ground. And you're right. I think that the if you have good executive leadership, right, so also good executive business, executive coaching for those leaders. Um, it could be that difference like, between, you know, people saying this guy, you know, or gal, you know, right, didn't maybe mean this, maybe, it's, and maybe even that leader might be open to hearing the employee, the employee might feel safe to voice and say, hey, you know, Dave, manager Dave, um, like, when you said this, you know, like, I, I actually found it kind of offensive and maybe Dave might 
and be able to apologize for that remark instead of doubling down in their defensive. And I think that maybe that's where this sort of marriage of your services comes in that, you know, you can be working on good leaders and actually could have a very positive effect on uh, reducing implicit bias, reducing discrimination, reducing harassment. Is that it's a summary of what you're saying in part? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think all of those different types of, of, of issues come down to awareness. Yeah, they're, they're all workable, they're all improvable. Um, and in some cases, if, if it's fix it, a kind of issue fixable. Uh, yeah. It's really about um, sort of a receptive audience and a willingness to, to, to work on that. And mm. so that, that's really where leadership becomes so crucial in this process. It's not just about making decisions, you know, back to the free pizza ideas, which are important and yeah. they're real and they are material. However, if they're not going to look at themselves and say, well, why did we have this problem in the first place? Right. Why was our organization, um, you know, having some kind of, you know, rockiness mm -hmm. that led us to saying we need to give free pizza? Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you know, fixing the, um, you know, fixing the, you know, putting a Band-Aid on the symptom instead of I'm addressing the, the cold. No, I'm sorry, I, did, I was about to say, it's like putting a Band-Aid right on some kind of say you know uh some kind of skin irritation that keeps coming up you know or just like putting like itch cream on a on a hive in a rash situation so um sorry i reached the band that i was like i was thinking that actually it's like, it's like, a, like a, a quick band-aid solution um instead of like instead of a more deep dive um where someone else has the same analogy it always kind of strikes me as interesting like oh let's just go in there too um, but yeah, no, I think that, and I think that's a nice kind of, you know, segue into a nice kind of like lead into this question about like, let's talk a bit about executive business coaching. You know, what is it? What are some of the goals of, of coaching executives and leaders that you have, let's say, when you coach within a company or, or organization? Yeah, so I, I'd say there, that, that's a two-part question in terms okay. of what is it and what are the goals? Um, and so, what is it, I, I guess, is the first part um, that, that I would comment on. And I think that means different things to different people. When people hear the coaching, you know, coach, coaching, the coaching world, it's a it's become a huge industry. There's lots of people out there that doing that do it. If you're out in the business community networking, you've probably met people that say, I'm a coach, I'm a business coach, I'm an executive coach. Um, and it really means different things to different people. I would sort of broadly divide the coaching world into two main buckets. One is a group of people that say that our job is to really come in and help work with that leader as a consultant towards them. And what I mean by that is give advice, give viewpoints, share my experiences actively and give suggestions. It's kind of like, you know, the doctor saying, you know, try, you know, take two and call me in the morning. Let me know how it works out. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. That has a purpose. The other half is um, sort of more of a challenge and thought partner mm -hmm. and less, um, less giving those solutions, less giving the consulting advice and more challenging the thought process. Also, mm. that's fine and that has a place. I tend to focus my world in that latter half. Yeah. Um, so while I, I like to think that sometimes I have um, some good thoughts and my experience can be relevant, then I'll share that. Um, but you know, I believe from a sustainability standpoint of individual growth, right. um, whether something's successful or a failure, the learning that uh, an individual will take from whatever it is that they're trying will be exponentially greater and sticky um, yeah. to apply to the future if uh, if they sort of come to that decision that it, whatever it is that they're going to decide on, try to do differently, mm. whatever that case is. Interesting. Like, yeah, that latter you know, idea of encouraging them to challenge, right, their thinking, their attitudes, maybe their thought processes, systems of beliefs. Like, I think it's a great, you know, part of that of, of coaching equation, not just sort of uh, advising or counseling, giving good advice um, of things that might work, such as pizza on Fridays. But, but seriously, but no, and I, um, so I think it's a, I think it's a really important you know point a distinction there. I think a lot of people don't realize that that's what coaching can do. It could, and I think in terms of sustainability, you're right. It sort of reminds me of that expression about 
sort of, you know, giving a person a fish versus like teaching a person how to fish, right? In terms of, you know, giving the person a fish, like they'll be, they won't be hungry for that meal and teach them how to fish, like, and they can, of course, you know, feed themselves for a lifetime. And I know one might argue that you need to maybe first give the person a fish if they're like starving to death, so they have the energy to fish. But, um, but so, I, but it's interesting, like, yeah, I think I hear that, you know, idea of, of encouraging leaders to challenge a thought process. And I want to get more into that in our last question, but we're actually on our last commercial break. Um, when we come back, I'll be talking with Andy. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, his firm to teach uh, strategy, people, culture, and their approach to uh, the issues of tonight. And then we'll wrap it up by about 5.57. So I'm just saying uh, for now, folks, stay tuned to Employment Law Today. I'm your host, Eric Sauer, here tonight with Andy Botwin on Talk Radio NYC. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. back everyone to employment law today i hope our audience at home tonight listening or watching is really sort of taking all this in this you know conversation about i think the great resignation and also about ways to counter it you're looking at leadership looking at um, sustainable solutions and going deep to the roots of issues and problems uh, and also not just seeking out quick fixes so you're really getting a lot from you tonight andy and i really appreciate once again and the fact that you're joining us on the show this evening. Yeah, my pleasure. Sure, sure thing. Um, I just wanted to ask you, like, you know, it's the last sort of point about, you know, executive coaching. Um, just like, well, I rather want to, you know, bring home what you said, that it's kind of connected to the other work you do. So that's basically to maybe another question for you, or maybe a final question of, like, uh, of sorts. How do you and your firm, Strategy People Culture, distinguish yourselves from other firms in the, let's say, HR, uh, in the diversity, in the coaching fields? Like, what unique philosophies and approach do you use? And uh, yeah, that's really it. That's a question. Yeah. Um, you know, differentiating is, is sort of a funny thing. Um, you know, I think most people, when they're, they're buying a service, they're buying it because they have a, a desire and or need, uh, but they're also buying you. And you know, mm. particularly coaching, what's incredibly important about that is fit. Um, you know, and some people, you know, I want more business like the next person and I want more clients and I've got a team of people um, that um, would love more clients as well. Mm. Uh, but it's not just about getting the client. Because coaching, particularly because of our approach and our style, and you asked about goals um, prior to the break, which we didn't get into, but the goals are really very specific to an individual. And so I think what we do uh, 
particularly well is we thrive ourselves in understanding those goals and you know in a customized way work with individuals to keep an eye on those goals but allow for adaptation uh, because, you know, I could talk to you today and your day today could be totally different than tomorrow. And there could be different things that are going to drive your readiness to really challenge your awareness, to open up um, and be ready to really go deep to try to understand how you could do things differently, how you want to. In some ways, you know, people use the word change. I say evolve, um, but how you want to push yourself to grow. Um, from a coaching standpoint, I kind of, I try to describe it sometimes when people ask, um, what's it like, you know, if you can picture almost like a little visual, like a box in your mind, um, and, you know, inside that box is your thinking, your style, your approach, Mm -hmm. um, you know, when we're in natural situations, we tend to have sort of natural thinking. That's what unconscious bias Mm -hmm. is. It's our brains processing millions of pieces of data into what we know. And, Uh, I think coaching is so much about maybe changing that box, expanding it, Mm. and maybe, you know, instead of it being hard lines on that box, you know, create maybe like a dotted line. So there's a little more breathing room to Mm -hmm. to allow for that to grow. Um, Because there's almost always more than one possibility. And our minds sometimes naturally bring us to one or two possibilities. And, you know, the decision may ultimately be the same in some cases, but if you can think of three, four, five possibilities more naturally, Mm -hmm. uh, then you'll be better positioned to make better decisions. You know, just like we were talking about before about the the great resignation. And why people are leaving. There's the adaptation to the decisions that we make Mm -hmm. are. And and that was some of the trials and tribulations I had, you know, early on in the, in the firm I was a partner in, Mm -hmm. you know, there'd be, I wasn't, I wasn't part of the executive committee, the key owners in the company Mm -hmm. um, and they would make decisions. And then, you know, I'd learn about it and I'd go talk to the CEO and say, well, did you think about this impact on our people and talk about it from a different angle? And, it would create a whole nother set of conversation. And if, when, if those leaders, when they were in that room, were thinking about the business issues that Mm -hmm. led to that decision, but were also able to think about these other possibilities in terms of the impact, they might've more efficiently made Mm -hmm. better decisions. Yeah. So it's like, I guess, you know, the whole kind of expanded viewpoint when you make decisions as an executive or as a leader you know, a manager or a business owner, um, it's so important. That's true because I think, yeah, if we just come at things with our own perspective, what we think the solution is to an issue, we're going to probably miss something. But if we can expand that, I guess, consciousness, that awareness, as you mentioned earlier. Um, so I suppose that's, are those some of the goals, I guess? You mentioned that we didn't uh, fully cover some of the uh, goals of, of coaching executives. It sounds like one goal, it sounds like I'm hearing from you, if I'm correct, Andy, is to get them to expand their view and see things in a broader perspective? Um, Yeah, although I I would actually say it a little differently because that's more of the approach. Um, You know, when when somebody's thinking about hiring me, whether it's the CEO of a company, which is probably about two thirds of of my personal clientele, um, Mm -hmm. or it's an organization looking to bring me into work with one of their managers for for some reason or another, um, you know, when I'll ask them, what, what are the goals? So if you think about it and you step back, mm-hmm. what do you want to be different yeah. six months from now? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Because that, that's typically what a, a coaching arrangement in my world begins at, um, mm-hmm. is a six-month type of arrangement. But you know, in those six months as a CEO, mm-hmm. what, how would you measure success? You know, if it looks like a duck, acts like a duck and talks like a duck kind of thing, um, you know, what would make, you know, what would quack for you? Right. Um, I just came up with that. If, if that landed with you, let me know. And if give me I, I love your metaphors and analogies and yeah, I, I do. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and if it's, if it's not the, the ultimate decision maker and it's uh, somebody in the organization, I would typically have that conversation with jointly with them and, um, whoever their supervisor is and mm-hmm. say, organizationally, 
-hmm. what are your goals? And then individually, there might be some other goals that, um, that we might also work on. And, you know, my job or, or one of the people on my team's jobs responsibilities would be to keep an eye on those goals. So we don't lose sight of them, even if we deviate um, from time to time because of some, something else that's happening in the business or, or with them. Got it. Got a really interesting um, response there, Andy. A lot, you know, to unpack there just for our viewers to listen tonight. Um, I think, you know, has some really great conversation here. Um, you know, we're actually coming close to the end of our hour. I want to give you a little bit of chance, Canal, just a couple of minutes to share, like, briefly, you know, your contact information. How can we find you? Uh, website, floor is yours. Um, sure. Uh, so my website is www.strategypeopleculture.com. Um, again, sort of a, a, a strange name, but it's three three words, as it mm-hmm. as you might phonetically spell it, strategypeopleculture.com. Uh, phone number is 833-ROCK-SPC. Um, so you might have to translate that, but an easy way to remember, 833-ROCK-SPC. Uh, my direct email is andy, A-N-D-Y, at strategypeopleculture.com. Uh, would certainly welcome the opportunity to chat with any one of you. Uh, I have a second company um, that is a technology-driven solution for online harassment and discrimination training. Um, mm-hmm. But if you, re- if you reach me uh, through the contact information I gave you, and that is your interest, uh, I can certainly uh, talk to you about that and get you connected to the right people as well. Excellent, Andy. That's really good to have your number, your website, your other uh, company, uh, all that information. That's great to have. Um, it was a pleasure having you on the, the show this evening. Um, great to talk about this very important issue and the marriage of uh, executive business coaching with uh, HR and employee culture and, and all of those different topics. So I want to thank you once again for being on the show with us. Uh, folks, you can reach Andy Botwin at the uh, info he gave. I'm Eric Sauver. I'm your host of Employment Law Today. Uh, you can tune in every Tuesday night at 5 p.m. right here on talkradio.nyc. If you enjoy what you heard, tell your friends, tell your colleagues to tune in. Feel free to share the live link when it's out there uh, on facebook.com at the Talk Radio NYC. Um, I wish everyone a great night, great week. Stay healthy, stay safe. We'll be back next Tuesday with more interesting topics. So uh, thank you again, Andy, and have a great evening. Bye, everyone. Thank you. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. Post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? 
I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 